People think there's this magical prompt that they're going to come up with to throw into ChatGPT that's going to give them the perfect answer. Basically ask ChatGPT, ask me all the questions that you need in order to be able to write an amazing sales page. But that saved me days. And one LinkedIn post and we sold out. Hello and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth and today's guest is Mike Rhodes. Mike has been a fixture of the Google Ads community for almost 20 years. He's trained over 100,000 people through his courses and is co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Google Ads with Perry Marshall, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago. He built one of Australia's largest independent Google ad agencies, which he recently sold and has created many tools that people use every day, his latest being the PMAX script. Today, we're going to be talking about using AI, how that's going to lead to a ton of mediocre content and what you can do about that and then how else you can use AI in your business. Now, before we dive into our interview, Yosip is our funnel strategy lead. And while he's been working on dozens of funnel building and optimization projects, he's developed and tested most of the systems that we use here at Data Driven Marketing to 5x our clients' revenue. What we did is we took all of the coaching calls that Yosef's ever done with our clients, transcribed them and uploaded them to a tool that is built on top of ChatGPT. So what we've basically got is a ChatGPT specifically for funnels using the data-driven marketing method. We call it internally Yosef AI. You can go to datadrivenmarketing.ai to access it and you can access that for free. It's absolutely fantastic. It's going to help you figure out what kind of funnels to run, how to write your emails, how to plan everything out. So go use that today, datadrivenmarketing.ai. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. So you've said that you think AI is going to create a flood of new, mostly mediocre content. Why do you think that's the case? Um, A couple of reasons. One is that and its essence, a large language model is just predicting the next word, right? We all know that by now. We've all played with chat GPT. It's read basically the entire internet. And the wisdom of the crowd, wonderful book, um, is alive and well here. So it is going to regurgitate the average of all that it's read, unless you really push it to the edges, unless you prompt it in such a way to specifically ask for the edgy stuff, the unusual stuff, the stuff that nobody else would think of, most of the time it kind of goes for pretty mediocre. Now, a lot of people using it will increase their skills in something because it will be mediocre to to fairly good compared to the average human in so many different places. But it won't be for a while at least, most of the time, (laughs) all these caveats, sorry, but most of the time it won't be as good as a real expert in a particular field. You know, that amazing copywriter that you've heard about and maybe used and one day I can afford them, like they will probably do better than this thing that is just read everybody else trying to remember. It's like a clever grad student that gets a bit drunk sometimes. It, it, it's very clever, <laughs> but it kind of can get things a little bit wonky. And obviously we all know it can make stuff up. Um, yeah, it, 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 but it, but this is the worst it will ever get, right? So it only gets better from here. So where do you see this mediocre content coming up? Is this like going to be a lot of SEO content or like what what kind of places are you seeing this this happening? Well, I mean, there was an announcement two days ago. I don't want to date the podcast, but there was a big open AI dev day a couple of days ago. And it's going to be like the app store all over again. I was chatting to a guy this morning 
who made a really interesting distinction about this, by the way, is like, remember the the Apple App Store was very, very curated in the early days. There were very few apps and they were really good. Whereas Android was just, how about it? Everything's there. I think it'll be, well, it'll be interesting. They haven't actually given many details around that. With plugins, it was a bit like the Android App Store. There were just tons of stuff on ChatGPT. It wasn't a good experience. You could only see eight at a time. There were loads and loads and loads, and they weren't particularly useful. I don't think they'll make that mistake again. I think they'll err on the side of curated, really, really good, um, effectively, plugins, these these custom GPTs. Terrible branding. They've got to do something about the name. But there'll be content there. You mentioned your AI. That could be this sort of custom GPT because most people can't figure out what you guys figured out of how to embed all the vectors and load all of that information that you did so that people can now ask questions of your content. Most people haven't been able to figure out how to do that. That's taken a developer to this point. It now gets much easier. So that's one place. But yeah, you mentioned SEO. There will be, I mean, it's already starting. People are creating bots to create bots. It's all getting very meta. To sit there and churn out blog posts that have never seen a human. I mean, I think we should probably keep a human in the loop for a lot of this stuff for a while yet to check, to cajole, to to nudge the machine back on track. Um, there's an awful lot of stuff just being churned out. You know, bots that are, because we can tie these bots together, right? So we can have one bot whose job it is to go research, to go find out, sit there and watch all the forums and find out questions and go, oh, here's a good idea for a blog post. Pass it up to the ideas bot who says, mm, yeah, that's a good idea. That's not a good idea. Yeah, that's a good one. Write an article about that. And then that hands it off to the outline bot and comes up with an outline and goes back and forwards with the ideas boss and says, is this good enough? Yeah, no, yeah, okay, great. Now write the article. Now hand it off to the image bot to write, to decide what the image should be to go with that blog post, to create the image, to insert the image. And two days ago, they announced announced actions. So all of this can then be posted to the web WordPress site, published, off you go. And yeah, there's a lot of talk about will this content be uh, watermarked? Will the AI detectors be able to tell that this content is created by AI, I don't think that'll ever be the case. Um, maybe for images and video, but there's probably workarounds for that anyway. But most content, almost all content, I would say a year from now, is going to be some partnership between human and AI. So at what point do you say, is it created by AI? If ChatGPT is mm. giving you the first draft and you change 17 words, is that now still AI or does that no longer count? So I don't think any kind of watermarking helps there, but it's just the volume will increase. I don't see the quality increasing much, hence a ton of mediocre content. So we're using AI in a bunch of different places in the business, right? So we do, when we're doing copywriting, the first draft is now, we feed in a lot of information to um, Yosip AI, and that spits back out the the first draft of the emails, the sales pages, et cetera. And then we go back through and yeah. improve it. So it gets us faster to that bad first draft so that you can then make an amazing, you know, second, third, fourth draft, what have you. Yeah. So we're doing that with email. We're doing that awesome. with uh, sales pages. But we've also started doing it with our YouTube channel as well. So we, we'll put in ideas of, like, I want to write something about this. Give me some ideas of, oh, sorry, I want to make a video about this topic. Give mm. me 10 different ideas for titles. Give me three different ideas for hooks. And then kind of work from there in terms of refining them. 
So that's all proven useful. And then you make it into something good afterwards. Yeah. So that's kind of our angle on it. What, what do you see in terms of like, how can people go about, um, doing something about this, you know, like yeah, yeah. either making their content, not mediocre or doubling, you know, like what, what's the, what's the, what's the solution here? What can people do? Right. So I'll, I'll give you a slightly different take on that of how I used it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It must be about eight, nine months ago, beginning of the year. I wanted to, I, I had created this script. You mentioned it in the intro uh, for p- performance max. It's a particular type of Google ads campaign. It's quite opaque. It's one of Google's AI's black box things. And I'd found a little bit of data that was able to be pulled via the script. I'm not a programmer, but I figured out a way to write the absolute minimum amount of code, create the script. It went a bit bonkers on LinkedIn. So I thought, right, clearly this is a hot topic. And I've always loved teaching. I'm a teacher at heart. That's always been my MO to kind of run four hills into the future and not just report back, but kind of, hey, here's what's happening. Here's how you can grow your business and teaching the 80-20 of that, how to make it practical and useful. That's what I've always loved to do. So I thought, right, I'll do a course around this. And instead of the typical prompt engineering, you know, people think there's this magical prompt that they're going to come up with to throw into chat GPT that's going to give them the perfect answer. It's like some hocus pocus spell. I instead like to be the one that gets prompted. So I basically asked ChatGPT, ask me all the questions that you need in order to be able to write an amazing sales page to sell this workshop I'm thinking about. And it wandered off. We went back and forth for a little bit. It came up with 14 questions. I said, great, ask them to be one at a time because I don't want to keep scrolling all the way back up to the top. And once I've answered one question, ask me the next question on your list. Fantastic. Get through all those. Took about half an hour. Now, is there anything else that you need to ask me in order to write the sales page for this. No, right, bang. So off it goes, amazing. Now please write me the LinkedIn post and exactly like you did, the the YouTube script. Give me a 15 second, a 30 second and one and a half minute script. Give me the shot list for the video. Give me three Facebook ads. And again, yes, most of these weren't, I wouldn't recommend anybody take exactly what's there and copy paste without changing a word. Like you say, it's a, it's a blank page solver. It's a first draft creator. Mm-hmm. But that saved me days of coming up with the sales page for the workshop and one LinkedIn post and we sold out. So I, I guess it worked. I'll give you an example of the mediocre stuff. I then mm-hmm. asked it to, because it had all this information now, to create the course curriculum for mm-hmm. this eight-week workshop. And it was awful. It was just mm-hmm. having a bit of a stab and it was sort of like, you know, you've explained to a mate in the pub, this thing that you do that you know lots about and he doesn't know anything about it. And then he's writing the sales page. It was terrible. It had no idea what should be in that course curriculum. So I had to throw all of that out and just do that myself. I think do you the feel mediocre... like you did the same stuff there in terms of the getting it to ask you all the right questions in order to be able to write a good curriculum? Yeah, we didn't go into a lot of detail of what was in the course. Like for the sales letter, we were focusing more on the outcome. Mm-hmm. And I guess the usual sort of framework, I mean, it's probably read every unbounced blog that's ever been, right? So it asked me about guarantees and it asked me about testimonials and it, uh, yeah, those sites of, I guess, selling questions, mm-hmm. um, which is probably for a sales page, I guess, more important than the course content. As a teacher, for me, the course content is way more important. And I tend to over-index on that stuff and just, I feel, I'm not very good at selling. So I just assume that, you know, of course it's good content. It'll sell itself. Um and don't write a very salesy letter. Perry actually always 
told me off for not being like hypey enough for not selling myself enough for being <laughs> too humble. I always get told off by Americans for that, especially Perry. Hi, Perry. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe mediocre is a strong word. I just I I think there's going to be all this sort of SEO crappy content. I mean, I'm old enough to remember back when Ed Dale and Frank Kern were doing the underachiever method and people were farming websites and, you know, coming up with a, using Market Samurai to choose a whole bunch of keywords and then building a website around that quick, write 20 blog posts, putting it through those spinners. It was just God awful content back when it used mm. to just be about the number of links rather than the, the quality of where you're getting your backlinks from. And I suspect that most of this content will be pretty crappy and probably won't get indexed. I'm not an SEO guy. I don't really, I'm, mm. yeah, SEO is a black voodoo art to me. Um, so I suspect it won't really do much, but I do think there'll be a lot of people. Well, I know there are a lot of people churning out thousands of these bot-created articles by the day, um, and they're pretty mediocre, and they're not going to be great. But then a lot of the people that thought, oh, I know how to get blog posts written. I'll go to the Philippines and pay five bucks an hour. They're pretty mediocre too. So I just, you know, I see the the, the pyramid growing, but growing you know, the bottom of the pyramid growing more and more of that mediocre content, maybe a little bit more of the good content, but not to the same degree. Unless people really use it well. That is, I think, the opportunity to use these tools really well, to do the stuff like that you've done by the sounds of it with your AI, to, to use the proprietary data that you have, your own stuff, and make useful tools from that. I mean, the announcement OpenAI the other day, we're going to see a, a, a rush of people building these GPTs. Hopefully it's not like the Android Play Store and it's just tons and tons of questionable use cases, but it might be. Mm. I suspect it won't be. I think Sam Altman's too smart for that. Uh, you know, the AI is going to create a whole load of absolute rubbish stuff and you've got to figure out some way of standing out from that. You can, the, it might be that Google figures out how to spot the rubbish content in it Probably they will at some point in order to create good content, certainly like sales pages we've talked through, like there's a certain number of prompts that you need to, to get it to ask you. Like the way the system that we have is we'll feed in, we'll have done the customer avatar survey. We'll have collected all the information about who is our customer avatar. What's we'll create a customer language document. So that's all of the information about like the specific words that are our audience using. We'll upload the customer avatar to chat GPT and then tell it, can you recap that back to me? So that I know that you understood it. Then do the same thing with the customer language document and then tell it we're creating a sales page. These are the 15 elements that need to be on the sales page. Here's an example of a sales page we did before that converts really well. Now you write a version of, oh, sorry. And then here's the course that we're selling and here's what's good about it. And here's what um, the reasons why people should do it and what outcomes people are going to get from it, those kind of bits of information. And then now go create a version of the sales page. And then, okay, now rewrite it in this tone of voice and then kind of a few iterations like that. And that gets you to something decent. Brilliant. So that's kind of sales pages, right? And I, that's not that's, that's enough for people to get the idea of the concept, probably not enough for someone to, to do it that well themselves. But if you've got all of those elements, if you're already doing custom avatar, custom language document, you yeah, know all the benefits of the courses, you can most do, you can do a version of this. <laughs> I know, I know. I will throw back at you a phrase that, that a mentor of mine said to me many, many years ago, obvious to you, amazing to others you mm. probably assume that most people writing half decent sales pages go through a process like that i would say you're in the top never mind five percent probably one or two percent 
with that process and that most sales pages compared to something done like that is going to be relatively mediocre. So a tool like ChatGPT elevates you way ahead of the pack. The rest of the pack kind of comes up a little bit, rising tide lifts all boats, but still becomes the new mediocre. It's probably a little bit better yeah. than we had before, but it's not much higher. But for those that really lean into this, the, the delta then becomes so much greater and you become so much further away using a system like that. And not only is it probably better or a slightly more junior member of your team is able to create the stuff that maybe only you could do before, but also just the speed of that, being able mm -hmm. to do more of that, whether you're doing that for clients and that means you can service more clients with better quality. I mean, it's just the perfect storm, right? You can do it better and faster and cheaper. We're only supposed to be able to pick two of those. What's some of the stuff you're doing now in terms of uh, teaching marketers? I'm, I'm a big, big believer in, well, what I've been trying to do is teaching people to think like a coder. Um, mm -hmm. But I've also realized that most people don't want to think. <laughs> most people want the magic easy button. Just press the magic easy button and like make it work. Hence, selling the script and almost giving the training away for free. Um, because I think there is this period, especially in the short to medium term, where that skill, and I was chatting to a mate at lunchtime today about this, and we've both been coding. He's a brilliant coder. I am really not a very good coder at all, but we both learned to code when we were teenagers. And so that sort of thinking of, of a, a problem, there's some sort of input, there's some sort of process, there's some sort of output, and breaking down that problem into smaller and smaller pieces and then attacking those, solving them, whether it's through code or whatever. But that just is, again, obvious to us, amazing to others, maybe. I don't know. It's such a useful skill. And I think in the future, we won't need to. I'm teaching my kids to code, but I don't think we will need to learn Python. I think there's a window mm -hmm. where it's very, very useful right now because a lot of these tools are stitched together with code. But the programming language of the future is English. The ability to describe exactly what you want and, I guess, the, the curiosity to, to actually do that because, again, a lot of people are lazy and you can probably, two years from now, create your entire own Netflix series just for you if you wanted. But most people can't be asked doing that. That's too much work. I'll just turn on the TV and watch someone else's, thanks. I'd rather pay for that. Sort of teaching not how to code, but sort of the, the, the level above that, sort of how to think about what is possible, how to think like a coder, how to communicate with ChatGPT. I've been using ChatGPT more recently because that didn't exist when I did my first script, um, I guess, October-ish of last year. What allowed me to do that was just finding this sort of magic unlock where I did the absolute minimum amount of coding required and lots of heavy lifting inside of a spreadsheet because I've been a spreadsheet nerd for a very long time. Now, with GPT-4 and particularly Code Interpreter, I've been using it a couple of different ways to both be my junior coding assistant, but also my coding mentor and asking it questions. How should I be thinking about this? Is there a better way to do this? How could this be more efficient? And then giving my junior coding developer essentially little tasks of go write this, go write this, and then packaging that up together to create more scripts, better scripts that I can then give to the community. And I think there's a real thirst for whenever I talk about ChatGPT, a lot of people are like, how? I don't know where to start. And again, mm. often they just want that magic prompt. Just tell me what to ask. And it's like, no, please don't expect that. There isn't some magic spell that's going to unlock everything else. 
just start playing with it start talking to it start asking for stuff i think that the people that figure out how to use it in that way again how to describe what you really want the outcome to be um will do very very well dan sullivan um strategiccoach.com amazing mm -hmm. amazing guy has this thing called an impact filter and what one of the main things that makes that work is this thing at the top called success criteria and he uses this example which has just popped into my head maybe it's useful i don't know of he had a i think a summer cottage that they bought and they went there once with the interior designer or whoever it was and he had this list here's my success criteria right off you go and they came back nine months later they didn't talk in between apparently um right. most people are complete control freaks about that sort of thing came back nine months later walked in perfect everything exactly the way they wanted it done now yes he's got some coin and he can afford to do that it's probably an amazing interior designer i don't know but he has this ability to think through what is it that will make this work how will i know when this is done the way i want most people don't do that. Most people start an experiment in Google ads with, oh, I will just try this. They don't think about how will I know if this experiment is a success or not? Mm. What's that criteria? So just being able to do that. And then there's just some basic skills that I think every marketer should know. I mean, you guys are into data in a big way. So again, probably obvious to you, amazing to others, but just, just basics around what is an API? What is JSON? JSON confused the bugger out of me like two years ago. I just squiggly mm. brackets and colons everywhere. I didn't understand it. But you sit down, it's like pivot tables. You sit down for 15 minutes, somebody explains it to you and you go, what was I ever scared of? This is really easy. I'm not, now that I understand that, it unlocks all this other stuff. And so just being able to understand a few of these key elements, APIs, JSON, just basic, basic code. You don't need to know how to write it, but it kind of helps if you can read it a little bit. But just thinking in those terms, I think is a huge, huge, huge benefit for the majority of marketers, because I think in the future, you either have to be very, very data driven or tremendously creative. And by mm. tremendously, I mean, yeah, much, much more so than somebody with Canva and Adobe and a chat GPT. You've got to be a master at one of those two extremes, probably, or ideally both, you know, the, the artists that can use code will do amazingly well i think because most people won't know how to do that if someone wants to go and learn more from this if they want to go and check out your training what's the what's the site they should go to um if you go to mike roads .com. so my spelling of my surname is r-h-o-d-e-s like the greek island mike roads ideas .com. <laughs> someone goes to mike roads ideas .com. what can they expect what kind of what kind of person should be using that what kind of outcome can they get from it um, at the moment, it's probably geared pretty heavily towards the market that I've been serving for 20 years, which is the Google Ads market. So okay. Google Ads scripts, how to write scripts, how to implement them in your account. And I'm sort of starting to head towards much more onto the AI side, but I'm starting with what I know. And I'm actually considering a course, we should talk about this, um, mm. of going to teach it much more of the AI side, you know, that the, that dev day blew my mind two days ago. I'm still racing about it and what's going to happen there. And is it just a short term gold rush? That's going to create a ton of these GPTs that are all going to be crap. 
but I do think there is the opportunity to create real value for an audience there. Ah, and I don't want to be just another AI guy on YouTube. Oh, um, but most bit, I, I, again, obvious to us, amazing to others. I see so many people that just haven't even started playing with these tools yet. And mm. I just think if you don't get on this wave, whether as a marketer, as a business owner, you've got to be thinking like, what is my AI strategy in business? How am I going to be using these tools to be 40% better? I just started using Copilot. Again, I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer, but I just started using Copilot last week. It's incredible. I can write a comment of code. I want to do blah, 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 blah. And it just goes, boom, 12 lines of code, done. And that would have taken half an hour in the past going backwards and forwards with Stack Overflow for someone that isn't a very good coder. And I'm sure mm -hmm. the the good developers are using it, I believe, to become sort of 50% better, whether that's faster, writing better code. All of these tools, you've got to figure out what the tool is for, for your industry, for your profession. If you as a marketer are sticking your head in the sand and still saying, la, 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 a computer will never be better than me, and there are still lots of those people around. I met them at the last conference I was at. Mm. I think you're staffed. So... Yeah, I, I want to create something that helps people come along on that journey and not be a beginner's course, but also just I'm not an expert in it. I'm learning as I go. I don't know much about APIs yet. I know, you know, holistically what they are, but I think just teaching what's possible, like what is this stuff able to do? Most businesses need that. At the moment, that's mostly focused around Google Ads, but you're going Google to start ads. expanding out into kind of other areas over time as well. Yeah, it's Google Ads scripts. It's Google spreadsheets, some sort of very advanced spreadsheet stuff. And then it'll head more and more towards... I've still got all my old courses on there as well. So lots of Google Ads stuff and Google Analytics and Looker Studio and that sort of stuff. But yes, more and more, it's going to be heading more towards AI and automation. That's the stuff that I'm really interested in, fascinated by at the moment and that i believe is the future not just for marketers but for, for the vast majority of businesses certainly you know white collar work so hopefully this has given uh you some food for thought about how you might start to be using ai in your business we've talked about sales pages and how you can use them there and emails we've talked about our data our data driven marketing.ai tool that you can use to get started with some of your strategy if you're interested in the google ads side of things obviously go check out mikerodesideas.com and start learning there and it's probably worth going back and checking it out later if you're not in google ads because it sounds like it's going to be expanding and uh, moving into other areas as well if you found this interview useful and you want to get more episodes like this where we're going to interview top experts in the industry then please subscribe wherever you listened uh, thanks so much for listening as always and mike thanks so much for coming on today really appreciate your time my pleasure john thanks for having me